So here it is, y'all. Are you tired of being censored? Shadow banned? Shit, are you just tired of creating content and making these platforms famous? Well, I'm asking you to support OTW2. It's the black YouTube. Why, you may say? Because our content is important and necessary. And because anytime we tell the truth, they shut us down on their platform. So we are behind enemy lines, so we cannot complain. We just got to move accordingly, smarter. So since we know many of our people won't just jump ship and go to a black site, what I'm telling you to do is don't post everything that is great on their platform. Give them purge people a 10-second snippet, a 15-second snippet, and make them come to OTW Tube and come check you out. Support black things or stop complaining. Because only unity, black unity, and black economics can change our situation. Wake up, y'all. OTW Tube is where it's at. People used to say you black, then watch your mouth. We ain't listen, nah, nah, for the clout. Original man, all I'm watching is y'all. Crazy how addicted I used to be at the mall. Spending all this hard earned dough, but never bought. In the game of life, was more of a curtain call. Smiling in your face, can't tell I was hurt at all. My little Asian love would go and run me the raw. Brought it to the crib and let me borrow the car. Gotta be fly, you gon' catch the people I Can't recognize the real when you always taught a lie. Can't remember a day when my mama wasn't hurting. Daddy wasn't brave and my niggas wasn't cursing. We was just some slaves and amazed with our burdens. Trying to find our way through this pain we immersed in. Raised by a gay shit, the sage wasn't working. Remember when they say we was three fifths a person. But if we came first, how the fuck do that work? I know this people never like to tell the truth cause it hurt. By 1999, DMX was on top of the world. I got a wicked flow and I'm a kick it, yo. Feel the pressure. His first two records had gone platinum, and the troubled young hustler from the streets of Yonkers was now wealthy beyond his wildest dreams. I used to watch TV shows and people had houses and I was like, I, I never even thought I would be that person you know, to be successful in any kind of way. It was like a dream. I was like, this, is, this can't be happening. It's kind of eerie what I'm feeling, but from the floor to the ceiling, straight through the roof. What the truth? I kind of miss robbing and stealing. DMX had it all. Money, fame, family. But none of that could take away the pain that still lingered from his childhood. I have everything a man could think he wants, but meant nothing. Meant nothing. It was then I was unhappiest. There's an original kind of sin here in his life, which is his relationship with his mother and not feeling loved. On one harrowing night, DMX's lifetime of pain finally caught up with him. How many get the second album? X performed in front of thousands of adoring fans, but he had never felt more alone. He would take you through an emotional roller coaster and he would end his show with the prayer. Lord Jesus, it is you who wakes me up every day. If you ever seen him perform, he gives everything. Begging for direction. For my soul needs resurrection. He killed it. Like on the scale of one to ten, it was like a twenty. People are crying. X is crying. It was an emotional connection with the people that I have never witnessed. We came backstage and he kind of broke down and started crying, like really crying. He's on his knees looking up and he's like, why? Why, God? Why me? I ain't supposed to be nothing. He felt like he didn't deserve it. Like he couldn't understand what is it that they see that they love. I didn't know how to take the love. What up, y'all? This is the real Remy Red. You know what? I was going to have a whole show set up for y'all. And then this past weekend made me want to speak on current events. You know, I want to big up Sydney for giving me this platform to do even what I'm doing today, which is go for a little therapy, you know, talk about some stuff. You know, mental health within the black community, especially with us black men, is a touchy subject. And a lot of us are going through a lot of things. You know, um, On The Wake Up Radio has been a, a venting, has been therapy for me, has helped me in my relationships with my wife and my friends and everything. It's helped me deal with a lot of evil devils and demons I've had in my life. Communication, that's why I promote it so much, it's why I talk so much about it because communication is very important. And, you know, music, 
what we listen to, the entertainment that we take in is also, it's why Black Voices Uncensored is a thing now, because I believe that we don't have a voice and that we're not getting the proper representation. So I created a platform so I could do that. In doing that, it, it, I, I can't not speak about things that I see and that especially affect me. So as we know, DMX has had some hard times lately. They say he overdosed and, you know, he's on a thin line of where we may lose him or where, you know, how he will recover from this and how it will affect him even more. And I don't know if it's like how much you follow him, but DMX was a big part for me because like many artists and like many people in that limelight, a lot of us draw to the things they say, the words they use, their narrative. And for a kid like me, who had so many things that was wrong in my life, DMX was saying everything that I felt in such an articulate way that I thought he was speaking to me, you know? Um, Cause he was still hood, but he was still soft and loved his woman and loved women. And that was me, I felt like. I felt like if I had ever had a chance to sit down and talk with his brother, I'd be like, bro, you were like, the big brother to me, you were like the big homie, you were everything because you said so many things. Like I love chicks so much that one of my favorite raps is some politicking with this chicken one and if I'm gonna creep her with a hood rap bitch from 25th and then to make it coming through. Like I do, you know, get in my ball. Girl. No, you was a thug is when I met her, she had a scarf on. 54, 11, size seven and curls. Gravy face, look like she be 11 with curls. Girlfriend, what, remember me? I'm way back, I'm the same cat with the wave cat. The motherfucker TNT used to wave at stay here. It was all good. No, you know, the point is, DMX was important to me. The point is, his words meant something to me. I memorized them, I remembered them, I concentrated on them. And so when I think about that, as somebody who works with kids, I think of the effect of the music right now. I think the effect of the music industry, the control they have over our minds, our souls, our bodies, what we wear, what we think, what we think is cool, what we eat, what we put in our bodies. And I feel like people like X was screaming to us to listen, was trying to tell us everything. And I don't think a lot of us listened or heard what he had to say. And it's even now when I look back and I look at his words and I listen to his interviews in a time when I feel like I'm about to lose somebody that was very important to a part of my life growing up. I listen back to his words and they mean something so much more now. They mean something so much deeper. And I really feel like we weren't listening to him. I think he, he was screaming out for help and nobody was listening because as my boy was said earlier, what was it we were being too entertained? You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> you didn't know his, if y'all could hear him. His therapy was our entertainment. His therapy was our entertainment. And when he said that, I was like, wow. And I'm not comparing myself to DMX in any shape or form, but we've all felt that. For me, it wasn't, was me, I used to be a party person and have a lot of people around me and people got to ignore their, what they were going through and we just party. And I felt like a lot of people drained me of who I was. And out of that dust, I have very few friends still left over and that very few friends are the reason why I believe this because they're the only people who give to my life as much as I may give to them. Because giving's a part of life. And so some of us accept it because of that. I feel X, out of many of the artists that we see have come out, he knew what he was giving selflessly. You know, his words said that, his words understood that. And I just thought that was real deep. And with everything that he's going through, I feel for his family. I feel for the people that love him. I look at like, I was looking at some posts and I felt violated because, you know, everybody knows who Vlad TV is. And, you know, the Rough Riders that came out, show love to X, and this man captured it, biker gang. And it's like, why would you call him a gang? Especially when I saw other media coverage of black people doing media coverage who called us a crew, supporters, 
Those choice words they use to speak about us speaks measures. And X was talking about that in his own way. I'm going to play a, a clip from Dr. Phil. For me, when you listen to what he says and you realize that when you take away that beat, that entertainment that comes from under it, that makes us jiggy to it, he was saying something. I felt it. Like, I'm, I felt it. But listen to him again. Um, the hurt, the pain, the dirt, the rain, the jerk, the fame, the work, the game. I like what you said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did it, did it. <laughs> the friends, the foes, the bins, the hoes, these studios. these studios, the shows. Why don't you just read it? I, studios, I like the, the way shows, you read it. It comes and it goes. The jealousy, the envy, the phony, the friendly, the one that gave him the slugs, the one that put him in me, the snakes, the grass, too long to see. The lawnmower sitting right next to the tree. It's right there, just mow that grass and you'll see the snakes. Yeah. So you write... Everything I say, yes. Yeah, I mean, that's... You, you write all of your yes, songs. all of my lyrics. I wouldn't be able to call myself an artist if I didn't write. You've had... Um, I guess I would call it a gospel song, or certainly a, a song and a conversation with the Lord on every album. On yes. every on Since every album, Lord, give me a sign. Right. I've pulled some of those lyrics out. Uh, tell me what these lyrics are and it's what they mean. It says a conversation with the Lord. I really need to talk to you, Lord. Since the last time we talked, the walk has been hard. Now I know you haven't left me, but I feel like I'm alone. I'm a big boy now, but I'm still not grown. I'm still going through it, pain and the hurt. Soaking up trouble like rain in the dirt. And I know only I can stop the neck of pain with just a mention of my Savior's name. In the name of Jesus, devil, I rebuke you for what I go through and trying to make me do what I used to. But all that stops right here. As long as the Lord's in my life, I will have no fear. I will know no pain from the light to the dark. I will know no shame. Spit it right from the heart, because it's right from the start that you held me down and ain't nothing they can tell me now. Lord, give me a sign. Had, um, you've had a song on every album, a conversation with God. Yes. You've had and a prayer, uh, and a prayer. And I think you've had three conversations with the devil. Three conversations yes. with the devil. Why with the devil? Well, to make a fair decision, I think you have to be aware of both sides. And I was approached, so of course I had a conversation. It didn't mean I, it doesn't mean I rode with him sure. or believed him. I just was able to recognize him by what he said to me and what he offered me. He said, oh, now I know who you are. That's why I stopped talking to him. I put out seven albums, but he's only on three. X's words are so profound to me and they, they hit me somewhere deep because throughout my whole life, I've been fighting two sides, talking to two people, demons, the devil, our ancestors, however you want to look at them, however you want to quantify what those voices are. A lot of us know what it feels like to hear those and battle them every day fall prone to them, fight against them. I got lucky enough to get to a point where I feel like I'm winning, but every day is still a battle. And I remember listening to X's songs at a point when I felt empty and alone, hurt, sad. And it's only those words that understood what I was going through and the pain that I have. Think of that power. Think of that power I gave a person I didn't know just because he said things that I understood. Then understand why I fight so hard for us to control our own narrative. Words like his are what stop me from eating a bullet sometimes. I was self-destructive, always have been. So scared of happiness and so scared of love that I would purposely just fuck it up. Because I didn't think I deserved it. Because I didn't think I earned it or that it would last forever because nothing, let me tell you this, nothing in my life had ever lasted forever. And I know that's funny to say because you're gonna go, well, nothing lasts forever. I get that but it didn't last period, forever, two seconds, anything. So that's how extreme in my heart and in my mind, I quantified everything. Nothing's gonna last forever, so it's not worth it to even try.
That's what your mind can do to you to escalate trauma to the point where you take it to a point of, un, like, it doesn't make sense. Insanity. And that's what this man had been going through consistently. And as my friend said, it was his therapy was our entertainment. And he gave it to us. He blessed lives with it. And that's what we all try to do with our art, with our voice, with that power you have when you think you don't, that cell phone, that click, what you entertain yourself with it, what you take time to study, it's power. And we're, somebody's always watching somebody. I know kids who watch me and tell me, yo, Mr. Pierre, if it wasn't for you, Ray Ray Tay Tay, I wouldn't have done this, I wouldn't have done that. And it feels good because I'm a mentor. I, I have a chance to lead by example. And especially to my black men, you have to understand that power that we have to the youth, they need, they're begging for somebody to care, to listen. And all we are quick to do is do exactly what was done to us and say how they don't want to listen. The kids don't care. And Ray Ray takes it because you don't want to take the time. You don't want to find the power to get them to listen. How do I speak to them on their level? We all remember being kids and the OGs and our neighborhood talking to us on their level and we didn't get what they were saying. That's like me telling the young kid now how you're not supposed to talk on pay phones. And how we got to use codes because they listening in. I'm still telling them the same thing. You shouldn't talk on a cell phone. But to him, he's only going to see a pay phone and see a landline that they can tap into. And he doesn't quantify that this even in a cell phone in the waves in the air, they still tapping in. So we saying the same thing. I'm giving him real knowledge. and He's not going to hear it because he can't quantify it because I don't know how to speak to him on his level. See, we had an opportunity to do something positive in these kids' lives, or we can hurt them, or we can destroy them with our own selfishness. These are things I learned from X. Because he was so transparent, so vulnerable. He told us about the things that, that moment where so many black boys had. That moment that so many black boys have where somebody we trusted, somebody we looked up to, violated us. That moment when a black boy doesn't get to be happy anymore. When that wall of protection that he thought he had is destroyed. And X told us about that. So we're gonna to go to commercial. And then when we come back, we're gonna hear from his own voice of what his mentor did. So I'm a Yonkers, you mean, and um, you know, I just come home from being in these institutions from the age of seven to 14, you mean, and um, this guy, uh, Reddy Ron, I mean, he was like an older brother to me. And he would rap, and I would do the beatbox. And um, I looked up to him like like, like, like an older brother, you know what I'm saying? I, like, I love this guy like an older brother, you know, and I have any brothers. And um, man, I would beatbox, he would rap. And then he, he suggested one time, he said, you know what? Um, why don't you, you know, write a couple of rhymes and they'll act as a beatbox for you. You know what I'm saying? We can like change places. I was like, okay, I, I, that makes sense. And um, I remember, um, I, I remember went upstairs, taking a piss, <laughs> and that's where my first rhyme came to me. You know what I'm saying? And um, referring to incidents occurring in past times when the beats of my profession, I had no rhymes with the daytime change. And so do I will. That's when I remember journey up the MC Hill to make my first step forward to leave behind my past. Cause I put my future first, everything else last. First rhyme was unacceptable, but that's when it changed by taking parts of words with them rearranging. It was like a story, you know what I'm saying? Cause that's what mm. I was back then. And um, man, this guy, this guy, oh, this guy. And um, you know, I could tell by his response that it was like, it was a dope rhyme. I'm like, okay. 
You know, so we work at it like that. But this guy, man, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, he, he, he introduced me to what would be the best part of my life, which would be the rap. But he also, I think my life is blessed with the curse. And the curse aspect of it was, um, like I said, I was, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't smoke cigarettes, I didn't smoke weed, I didn't, I didn't do, I didn't do anything. I'm 14 years old, and um, me and my man went to a robbery one night, and it was his birthday, and we came back, we we spent the money. I said, hey, you know, take this, go get something. Might as well your birthday, whatever. Hmm. So he came back with a blunt rolled up, and as I'm counting the money, he likes the blunt. And I said, I, I was impressed. I don't really smoke, nigga. Fuck out of it. And he passed the ball around, and, um, wow. And I hit the blood, and I'm like, like, I was no longer focused on the money. It, 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 I never felt like this, like, it, it just fucked me up. I'm like... The fuck? And, um, I later found out that he uh, he laced the blood with with, with crack. Mm. My thing. Why would he do that to a child? Right. And this nigga, like, like, like thirty. You know what I'm saying? And he knew how I looked up to him. Yeah. Mm. He knew how I looked up to him. You know what I'm saying? And like. Why would you do that to somebody who looks up to you like this? I mean, hmm. take your time, brother. Uh, a monster was born. Hmm. A monster was born. I mean, and um, like, like I wouldn't do that to my worst enemy. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. I mean, like I said. Especially the someone that you supposedly love. Yeah. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Right. I put that in one of my songs called Pain. Uh, I smoke crack at 14 for the first time. Give it to me by a nigga that I idolize. My love is real. But after that, what I saw in his eyes was a snake. And who I love was just a disguise. So mm. the person that I loved was a snake. And he acted like he was a good person. You know what I'm saying? He acted like he you know, loved me, but... Uh, yeah. Oh. And so I want that to understand that we, I don't, I'm trying to delicately say this the right way. We talk about ending generational curses and how we got to do better, but do we really understand what that means? Are we communicating with children better so we know what's happening to them? Are we leading by example? Or are we leading out of, for like me, his OG doing that to him was selfish and out of hate because misery loves company. That's the extreme level, but on the level where many of us don't understand is that if I did this, then they should go through it as well. And I'm talking about beating our children. I'm talking about how we yell and scream and talk to our children, how we traumatize our children with the same trauma that we went through and justify it is because I turned out well that I should do it to them. When the real reality is, is if you knew how much it hurt, that you should find a positive way to get the same outcome without putting them through the same trauma that you went through. That's the reality. How do you help that person heal? And X has been telling us this. X has been screaming this to us. And, you know, what I see even with myself, the lack of trust you have after that moment, once that shattered wall comes down and you're violated. You know, for me, I was an angry, angry kid. And... I idolized my father like how X idolized this gentleman. And my father always was a very aggressive man. So like I used to get beat a lot. And it was like, do it my way and we'll stay alive. 
Copy. This is hope for stay alive. So when I ended up getting molested by a principal, a black one at that, I felt like my father put me there to get hurt. Remember when I talked about quantifying things to the most extreme level? In my mind, at 11 years old and not understanding what happened to me, I quantified the person I trusted. It was his fault. And lived in that after that for most of my life. Never trusting authority, never trusting that somebody loved me because this person was, the principal was good to me, used to take me out, used to, um, you know, take me to school events, tell my daddy, get me tutoring. And then I was violated like that. And for me, it was like, Nobody, I didn't understand love. I never knew what love is. And I know so many black boys who are black men and they deal with traumas of not understanding how to realize that that's why they don't know how to love. Even now with my wife now, there's so many things she does that I didn't understand, which is just love. That's what somebody does when they care. And blessed to her for sticking by my side till I understood that, until I grew up and learned what that was. It's simple to the joke that we always have. My wife always wants to know where I'm going because she cares. That's what happens when somebody loves you. They don't just tell you to go out in the street, get out of my house. You know, you're a grown ass man, do what you got to do. No, they say, where are you going? Because I want to know because I'm going to stay up all night till you come home. That's love. Many of us don't know that. Many of us have never been shown what love is, so we can't speak on it. And X, and the way he does with his articulate words and his rhythms, he expressed that for me to be able to share that, to continue to share it, to, to feel why at that moment when I was that kid and I wanted to stab myself and stab other people when I would be getting violent and getting into trouble, hoping somebody would kill me. Because as a proud Jamaican, I couldn't take my own life because that's not what we do. So I put myself in front of danger in everybody's situation. I got stomped out, kicked, pissed blood, left out not a cool. You can name it. And I used to look at God and ask him, yo, why am I still alive? Why won't you let me go? And that went on for years of success, years of overcoming things, years of smiles in people's face. I dealt with that pain inside. Because men don't cry, right? Men don't share, men don't talk. Because when I did try to tell, I remember, I remember, <laughs> uh, I won't say her name because that's violating. But I remember dating a girl one time. And I was having these things I didn't know at the time they were anxiety attacks. I really care for this young lady. And I tried to tell her that and tell her what I was feeling inside. And first she told me, she was like, stop bitch and she started laughing. But then when she realized I was serious, she made me feel like it was okay, you know, for a second. Made me feel like it was okay for a second. And literally, I remember it. It was in two days. And I don't know what the fuck we were arguing about, but I'll always remember the day when she threw that back in my face. That's why you let niggas fuck you in the ass. And I thought about that. And I still think about that today. Out of all the things I told this young lady that I had been through, that I had, that you could have said, we, you know, we, we both New Yorkers, we know how to hit. If you got shit to say, you got shit to say. But she took it that far. She took it all the way to the thing that she knew would destroy me the most. Never forget that. So I never really trusted people after that. I can probably go down the list of interactions, relationships, friendships that made when I got to college, me be somebody, when I had an opportunity, I made this joke about LA people, but this was really a reality about me when I was younger. 
I had a choice to be whoever I wanted to be when I got to college and I still chose to be an asshole because that was what worked for me. A lying asshole. And that's what kept me safe. It's what kept me out of trauma. You call them defense mechanisms, I learned that in college and how we decide to use Many people would understand because we wouldn't be having this conversation. I wouldn't be talking to you hoping that you're understanding as a black woman, that as a black man in your life that you need to figure out if you truly want to, because my wife truly wanted to. And for six long years, she's been fighting with me. So just recently when I apologized to her and told her, I said, you know what, I realize many of what we fight about is my depression. It may not be a clear and present depiction of who you are, but I need you to listen. Because I'm telling you I'm hurting, I'm telling you what I'm going through, and I need you to listen. Even if it's not a true depiction of you, and we become so defensive and fighting each other that we don't see that. That at the core, the person is trying to scream at you, this is what I'm going through inside, and all you hear is what I did and how that affects me. You know what I mean? And for the clutch for most of us is we find something to disappear in. In much of my 20s, it was drugs, ecstasy, molly. That was my shit. Alcohol, weed, waking up in the morning blacked out. As long as I didn't feel nothing. As long as every day from the minute I woke up till I went to sleep, I could act like I was having a great time. But the second I was in that room by myself, in that house by myself, oh, they was coming from all directions. <laughs> so I partied till I was weak. That's why I say now it's funny, the actual people who were still around. Out of all the partying and the, the people that I gave to, my spirit, he used to come around and just drain the living shit out of me. And I felt like a lot of them knew it, but they didn't care. Back to Exo. We're gonna go to commercial when we come back. The queen, I love this lady, she's gonna talk with X. And um, we're gonna talk about addiction. Okay, help me. Help me. And I will accept whatever you offer me in this moment, okay? Okay? And I'm gonna ask you, and then I'm gonna be done with it. Are you high? No. You're not high right now. No drugs, no alcohol. Okay. Well, she, she asked me not to. I was going to smoke some weed. She was like, you know, she wants you okay. to repair my I, I said I'm going to ask you. Yeah, I'm done so with that's what I, I, I would have been. Do you have a drug problem now? I will always have a drug problem. Tell me about that. Um, it, just because you stop getting high doesn't mean that you don't have the problem because it's a constant fight every day. Every trigger that was a, tr you know, was a trigger when you got, it's still a trigger. Whether you act on it or not, something different. But I will always, until I die, I will always have a drug problem. Okay, now when you talk about drugs, tell me what you're talking about. Uh, I smoke weed, I drink, um, coke, crack. Now, I don't really with that. You mean, with the coke and the crack? Now, you know, since I've been over prison, I've been home in prison almost uh, three years. Slipped a couple times, but I got right back up. I got right back up. You said the crack, the cocaine. There was a time when that was a challenge for you? Yes. A major one. I just, what the when I, like I said, when I first got signed. I, went, I, I, I damn it went out of my mind. Because, you know, before, when I do my little robberies here and there, whatever, you know, I ended up with a couple hundred dollars. You can't really go along with that. But now, when all I got to do is make a phone call and you know, she sends me a thousand dollars. My business manager. I mean, I'm like now we're talking. Now we're talking a drug problem. You know, as bad as it may have seemed before, it was nothing like it was when I got money. 
Was there a time when you felt, I've got to stop there so I'm going to die? Um, I don't <coughs> know if I actually said to myself, or I will die, but I knew I had to stop this because I felt like I was just going to lose my mind and, like, do something I'd really regret because of the paranoia. And it's like, you know, you hear things louder and, you know, you think people are scheming, and that's what scared me more than dying. I mean, it's a lonely feeling. It was a lonely feeling. And I almost, I, I thought about blowing my head off a few times. Only thing that stopped me was I had children. Now, his transparency. Well, first, let me say thank you, too. I got a comment. What was it from? Jacob O.C. Jacob O.C., thank you very much for the uh, blessed words. My family, you know, the, 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 the best thing about why I wanted you to see that interaction with the queen is because I learned, or my key that I learned is communication. The more I talk about these things, the more I hear from them, the more that I hear them out loud, I deal with them. And although I do, I want people to understand that it's still a daily battle. Like he said, every day I fight hard to be this person that I am. Just right now, I'm on the phone, a situation happened, and I, I went to go say something, I caught myself and I said, man, pull back, because it's not worth it. So my family and my life is a lot better. I'm, I can finally say, for the first time in damn near 40 years of life, let's take out 11, so out of 29 years of life, that I'm happy. Because I have somebody, and this is for me as a black man, personal experience. So black women out there, if you want to figure out how to make a black man happy. I have a woman that allows me to communicate with her as truly and as honest as I can be. She doesn't hide from me that the things I say hurt sometimes. She doesn't attack me for the things I say anymore. She listens. Attentively, because she used to say I'm listening, but she wasn't there because she couldn't respond back to me to the things I was saying. Now she listens. And it's the best thing in the world because now the darkest place, which is in my own head, I have a release from. It's so funny because I tell you the story of that young lady and how much it hurt me. But I can't leave out how much the woman I'm with now allows me to feel safe that I can tell her anything. And that's been a work in progress. It took us a long time to get here. But as a man, many of us, I can say, we're like, we're workers, we're survivors, we're sacrifices. We'll give you everything of us because if you can make us feel safe in a world that makes us feel like I have to dodge a bullet every day, I keep my gun on me everywhere I go. I worry, I think about life insurances and what can I set up in case I disappear? How do I set her up? So, My wife is sitting right here, so I'm going to say this to her so she understands it. I didn't understand why, but one of the biggest reasons when we got our new place that I wanted you to decorate it is unconsciously my way of if I ever die or if something ever happens to me, you still find happiness in that place. That's how I've been set up my whole life. That's how my dad raised me. You give women a certain things because you want them to be safe when you're gone because God forbid you, you're gonna die. And we had a lot of dark talks before when I went out there before he passed away. Like I said, and I meant it, the reason that I asked you to marry me because he hasn't, he didn't really, 
verbally teach me a lot. I had to learn it through experience. But the one thing he verbalized and begged me is not to lose sight. Like my dad's love was Laverne. He always regretted not going after Laverne. Not, and by the time he did, it was too late. Cause he's like, all I needed to do was show her that she was loved. He, he, he asked, he, you know, something my father doesn't do, he tells. He asked for me not to make that same mistake. It's one of the reasons I fight so hard, because that man, my dad believed you can't change an old dog. So he refused to be anything else I needed him to be. But love, for him to tell me that about you meant something. Transparency. That's what X allows me to have. What's what X is an example to. I can't, you know, it's weird to feel this passion is about a man you've never met, a person you've never met. But it also reminds me why I do what I do. I don't care if it's one person. They were, they were, um, one of the ways they say Bob Molly got big, just old story, was he went to a concert to do a concert. And nobody was there. And I'm going to say this because of me, I think it's Bob Molly. So if I'm wrong, I don't want to get destroyed on the internet. Back to the story. And I remember this story, whatever the artist is. And he went to go perform. And there was only two or three people in the stand. And he performed his ass off because he was like, yo, I came to do music I love. Excuse me, long story short, the two people, two or the three people in the stand was the guys from Rolling Stone. They did a story on him. He is now who he is. The point of the story that I took from it was that we as people look at number of likes and number of social acti activity on social media and how many people are saying it, but we don't think about the one. The one kid that may watch the story who's been following me and see that I am who I am. My eyes are red under these glasses because what I'm sharing matters. It's real to me. Because if I could save one kid with what I went through and cut 10 years of pain out of his life or her life, it's worth it. And it's my diary, it's my therapy. That's why I thank Sydney every week and I, I, she has no idea how much she means to me because she gives me a place to speak and be vulnerable and no one's direct eyes are looking at me. So I get to share the deepest things that I may not share and I hear myself say them. So now I have to be accountable for what I just said out loud. This is gonna be a talk with my wife. This is gonna be a talk with my homeboy. There are gonna be people who see this who are gonna wonder and talk to me now. And that's where a takes a village comes from. That's where that comes from. Being an artist is very hard and this industry is wicked. Social media has now become the norm that me and many people who lived in this industry before social media big would lived with. My brother behind there will tell you what it is to be a dancer and be in this industry, to be a chef, to be whose people know your name and what they expect from you. And now because of social media, we all kind of are getting to know that. And again, X was there to tell us, watch out for this industry because it will take from you and take from you and take from you. And you have to find where in this industry just to find your health and life and be human and not lose yourself. So we're gonna go to commercial, he's gonna come back. Big shout out to the Poetry Jam, uh, the black comedy shows we used to have. We need to rebuild those back again. It's not a problem 
to remake something from the past if you do it with respect. Just remember. What I'm going to speak on is the thing that's on my mind the most. You know what I'm saying? The thing that we all got to deal with every day but don't really know. The industry. The industry. Man, it's not the same. Doesn't have to do with talent. It's about playing the game. The industry. Real niggas is dying to get in. The industry. Just to find they don't fit in. The industry ain't what it used to be. The industry's trying to control the way you MC. They want you to dress like this and talk like that. But I'm going to dress like this and talk with the bat. The industry. Got your word meaning nothing. The industry. Fuck what you heard because he's bluffing. The industry. Money, bitches, hate. But I dare you to try to take a fucking thing off my plate. The industry like, wait. But in the streets, we like, get him. <laughs> 17 up in that thing. Catch him sleeping and hit him. The industry. If you ain't got a strong mind, the industry will break you down. It's a matter of time. The industry vultures with nothing to feast on. See me? I'm getting my beast on. The industry stay in the dirt, play in the dirt. Test the wrong one in the industry and you will get hurt. I'm not an industry artist. I'm an artist in the industry. So I do what the fuck I want because nobody can finish me. The industry, wanted, dead or alive, new artists to sell their souls in the way they survive. The industry, don't give a fuck about you, but the industry couldn't make a dime without you. The industry, I'm sick of this industry shit. The industry playing them like an industry bitch. They tried to finish me quick, but I am long, so I stand strong. Fuck a beat. Listen to the words in the damn song. I only, I only know how to speak the truth, you know what I'm saying? So I got a, I got a little short joint I'm going to hit you with, you know what I'm saying? And, and it basically reflects on my relationship with the industry. This is what it is. Often, my words fall on deaf ears. Motherfuckers be listening, but don't hear. Talking to a nigga, he be sitting right here. I be like, where you going? Nigga be like, yeah. Thank you. I did this show to say thank you to X. I did this show to honor him by respecting what he did, his sacrifice, his transparency. I did this show selfishly for myself. I did this show as a thank you to Sydney for giving me this place. I did this show for all of y'all. We have more power in our hands. Sandra Bland has a video where she goes, you gotta remember the power you have in your hand and what you can do with it. The people you can reach at this point in time. I don't know what your art is. I don't know what your message is, but control your narrative. I wanna say thank you to you guys. And last, I wanna thank my wife. because she makes those dark days so much more smaller. So find love, find black love, find somebody that understands you, hears you, and is willing to grow and change with you. We as humans, we're not built to be alone or separate. We're meant to be together. Today, nice family, my prayers are with you. I know you guys are sending out messages, but what is unclear is how bad things are, if things are really getting better, so I can just give you all my prayers, my positive energy, and my thank you for his sacrifice for years and his therapy and mentorship with his words to what he gave to me. I say thank you. 
I leave you. You know what? Don't play the commercial. Let's go straight into that prayer. I'll leave you with this prayer. Father God, I am just learning how to pray. Bear with me. First, I thank you for the life of everyone that's here with me. Then I thank you for the love you give me. Why? I don't know. I don't deserve it and it hurts inside. Many a nights I cried and called your name out loud, but didn't call you when I was doing good, too proud. And still you gave me love. I wasn't used to that. Most of the people that gave me love ended up taking it back. That's something new to me. So I'm asking you for time to adjust. Let me make it there. I will be one you can trust. What I stand for, I put my life on, I do. I guess what I'm asking is, show me how to stand for you. And I will rap for you, sing for you, reach for you, preach for you, teach for you. I will love you like you love me, unconditionally. And I will always be prepared for whatever the mission will be. Give the nutrition to me, and I'll properly digest it. And when I give it back, I will show you word well invested. And whenever I go, before I go, let me give. Thanks to you, Lord, for my birth, for every day that I've lived. You gave me a love most of my life I didn't know was there. I give you my life because you cared. Amen. 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 So here it is, y'all. Are you tired of being censored? Shadow banned? Shit, are you just tired of creating content and making these platforms famous? Well, I'm asking you to support OTW2. It's the black YouTube. Why, you may say? Because our content is important and necessary. And because anytime we tell the truth, they shut us down on their platform. So we are behind enemy lines, so we cannot complain. We just gotta move accordingly, smarter. So since we know many of our people won't just jump ship and go to a black site, what I'm telling you to do is don't post everything that is great on their platform. Give them purge people a 10 second snippet, a 15 second snippet, and make them come to OTWTube and come check you out. Support black things or stop complaining. Because only unity, black unity, and black economics can change our situation. Wake up, y'all. OTWTube is where it's at. Flawed individual. Cindy Ashby Production. On the wake up.